Do you believe we are living in the season of the Lord's return? What do you believe about the timing of the rapture? Do you even believe in a rapture? Do you believe the Antichrist could be a Muslim? And according to prophecy, what roles will the United States and Russia play in end time events? For answers to these questions, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. And I am delighted to have back with me again for the third week our special guest, Dr. Ron Rhodes. We're, we're about to work you to death here, brother. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, we are really enjoying it, too. Well, thank you. It's and a pleasure really to be appreciate here. you being with us. Well, thank you. Also, this week, once again, I have with me uh, Nathan Jones, who is our web minister. And that is much more than a webmaster, as I explained last week, because uh, Nathan is responsible for responding to questions from people literally all over the world eight hours a day. So he knows what it's like to get tough questions and to be on the hot seat. Well, that's what we're going to do with you. We're going to hit you with some tough questions now. More yeah. bombs. Okay, yeah. All right. Except yes. <laughs> this program, we're really going to focus in on uh, Bible prophecy. Yes. So, Nathan, lead off. All right. Dr. Rhodes, do you believe we're in the season of the Lord's return? And if so, why? Well, I think we are. Uh, I think to begin with, let's recognize the really key foundational prophecy of uh, Israel becoming a nation and Jews streaming back to the Holy Land ever since then. It's kind of interesting because back in the 1800s, I've uh, looked at a couple of uh, prophecy experts who were writing about this eventual rebirth of the nation Israel and everybody was saying, no, it will never happen. That's just an impossibility. <laughs> but then in 1948, it did happen. They were saying that up to the very day it happened. Well, that's right. And uh, it, it's an amazing unfolding of events. But I think that that kind of sets the stage for everything else. If that one thing had not happened, uh, I have a problem in, in all other prophecies mm -hmm. because that's really the foundation yes. to build from. But beyond that, you've got all kinds of stuff. For example... Uh, you've got movement towards the rebuilding of the uh, Jewish temple today. Yes. You've got money being raised, blueprints drawn, uh, people gathering the paraphernalia. You've got people working on uh, interacting with the Jewish people over right. there, and you know, giving them the dream and the vision and so forth. Beyond that, you've also got uh, the alignment of nations that will one day form a coalition against Israel. We'll talk about that a little mm -hmm. bit later today, but. That would include uh, Russia and Iran and Sudan and Libya and Turkey. All those nations are even now forming alliances with each other. You've got the, uh, uh, the European Union, which I believe sort of sets sure. the stage for the Roman Empire. And the way I like to look at it, Dave, is this. If you can imagine a bunch of lines intersecting each other at some point in the near future, you know, one of these lines is the Jewish temple. Uh, another of these lines is the rebirth of Israel. Another line is, you know, all these different prophecies mm -hmm. that are coming true, apparently intersecting at some point in the near future. And so it's the accumulative weight of all of that that leads me to believe that indeed we are living in the very end times. It seems to me like you'd have to be either biblically <clears throat> ignorant or spiritually uh, in a comatose state not to realize that God is really shouting from the heavens today, Jesus is coming soon. Well, Jesus that's right. And soon. you might remember, Dave, that... Uh, Jesus chastised the Jews of his own day for not oh, being yeah. accurate observers of the times. Now today you've got a lot of people who are naysayers about Bible prophecy. Mm -hmm. There are people out there who have uh, basically 
downplayed prophecy, and they say that the church replaces Israel and all kinds of stuff out there. But the fact is, is that we have fulfillment on our That's side. Right. That's right. When you yeah. start to look at what's going on in the world today, we can always point and say, hey, well, look, apparently we're right. Uh, what gets me is, is even major Christian leaders who are deep into replacement theology who will say that, well, just the, the, the founding of Israel was just a, a political accident of history. And you wonder how anyone can look at that and write it off as a political accident of history. 1,897 years later, yeah. <laughs> it's not like you know the Hittites are rebuilding their country again. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's right. And, and yeah. uh, one of the things in the New Testament is that Israel continues to be distinct from the church. Yes. Uh, if you look in the book of Acts, I believe that uh, the word uh, uh, Israel occurs 20 times and the word church occurs 19 times. Even in the book of Acts, they're very distinct from each other. But of course, you've got other verses in the epistles that Paul wrote where he distinguishes between the, the, uh, the Jews and the church. And so the church does not replace Israel or God's promise, you know, promises and prophecies right. toward Israel. Well, it's amazing how the church wants to replace Israel and wants all of its blessing but none of its curses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's shift gears here for a moment to what is probably the most controversial and perhaps the thorniest issue in Bible prophecy today, and that is uh, when is the rapture going to occur? What will be the timing? Is it going to be the middle of the tribulation, near the end, at the end, before, at the beginning? What? Boy, you could get me <laughs> preaching on this one. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that it's going to happen before the tribulation, and there's a number of reasons why I say What's that. What's the most important reason you'd throw out? Uh, well, first, I'd say the most important reason is that the church has no purpose in being in the tribulation. Mm -hmm. The scriptures clearly define the purpose of the tribulation, and I believe it's twofold. There's going to be a judgment on nations, unbelieving nations, and there's also going to be a purging of Israel. The church has no business even being there. Now, that's aside from the fact that there's not a single verse dealing with the tribulation in the Old Testament that mentions the church. There's not a single verse in the New Testament dealing with the tribulation that mentions the church. We are told in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10, as well as 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, that the church is not appointed to wrath. That leads me to believe that God is going to take the church out of the world prior to the time of wrath, which is coming upon the world. I also think this is related to Revelation 3, 10 where uh, the, the church has promised deliverance from the actual time period of testing that is going to come yes. upon the earth. One of my favorite verses, Dave, is uh, John 14, verses 1 to 3, which I don't think fits a post-tribulational scenario mm -hmm. at all. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back for you and take you so that you can be where I am. In other words, uh, G Jesus is going to take Christians and take them back to heaven. That doesn't fit the post-tribulational scenario, which says that they all stay on the earth. You didn't mention the argument that uh, usually uh, comes first, and that is eminence. Oh, well, eminence is an absolute. That's an assumption that uh, is always there. Explain what there's, that means. There's nothing that needs to take place before the rapture of the church. Yes. It, it could happen any moment. There are many events that must take place before the second coming. That's right. In so fact, if, if you, you only a, believe in the second coming, Jesus can't come today. That's right. And if you, had a, you know, if you had a nice little calendar, you could pretty much tell when Christ was going to come again. You could watch, for example, when the, uh, the Antichrist right. signs the peace pact with Israel, uh, you mm -hmm. know, Daniel 9, do 27, and do a countdown, seven years. Yeah. It's the 70th week. And uh, the thing is, is that when you're talking about the rapture, you don't see signs that are prophesied prior to that event. You see, so it's an imminent event. It's, it's something that could happen any moment. And not one prophecy has to be fulfilled <clears throat> for it one. to occur. Not a one. Now, that's a very important factor also in terms of uh, my book that I've written on Northern Storm Rising. Mm -hmm. There are some people who will suggest that the invasion into Israel might take place prior to the rapture. Mm -hmm. 
But they're very careful to say, Dave, that uh, uh, they don't believe that that has to happen as a sign before the rapture. It's, it's incidental. And uh, so those who hold to that position would still believe in the imminency of the rapture. What would you say to a person who says that the whole idea of a rapture, second, uh, separate and apart from the second coming, is too new an idea to be true? Well, of course, that's a, a common complaint. There are people out there who even say that the idea of a rapture is so recent in church history that it came from, some will even argue, argue that it came from uh, Margaret MacDonald. A teenager. You know, right? A teenager. And you know what's interesting is if you actually look at her writings, she comes out to be a cross between post-trib and partial-trib. I read, I, I read her vision. Right. I couldn't even find a pre-trib rapture in it. Well, you know, you can't. But, but you know, it's still a lot of post-tribs going around talking about this as if it's a you know, gospel truth. Conspiracy theory. Uh, the fact is, is that pre-tribs are pre-tribs because they believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. And they take the Bible literally. And the fact is, too, that many, many Christian groups who took the Bible literally were suppressed throughout Christian history. Yes. And their writings destroyed and so forth. We don't know what they believed about this if they had a position on it. Well, you know, one of the things that you also have to keep in mind is, especially during the early centuries of Christianity, uh, you know, Roman Catholicism was predominant. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't agree with what they taught, I mean, <laughs> your life was in danger, That's right. basically. And so uh, I certainly believe... You know, if you want to talk about early stuff, I certainly believe that the Apostle Paul and John and some of these others were pre-tribs. Well, if they you were, look at their writings. That's what they wrote. <laughs> right. And if words mean anything, and, it, it, and if words, if, if you're going to let the, you know, if, if let Scripture speak for itself and words mean anything, then, then the pre-trib position is correct. You've got to do a lot of spiritualizing, in my opinion, to get to the other positions. Dr. Rhodes, I would uh, like to get into the discussion of a very faddish thing that has suddenly developed in the last uh, six to eight months in Bible prophecy. And that is the idea that um, the empire that will be revived in the end time will not be the Roman Empire, but the Ottoman Empire, and that the Antichrist will come out of that Ottoman Empire, and uh, he will be the one who will rule over... In fact, uh, I don't know how how much you've done reading on this, but the thing that really bothers me is not only do they say it's going to be the Ottoman Empire and it's going to be a Muslim, but they argue that it's hyperbole when the Bible says that he's going to rule over all the nations of the earth, that he's really just going to rule over the Middle East. Well, where do I begin? (laughs) There's just all kinds of problems. It's kind of like that flood over the whole world. That's hyperbole. It was just a little local flood. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, Jesus being the God man, oh, come on. What about the Ottoman Empire? Well, I, I think that Scripture is very clear that it's a, it's a Roman Empire. You know, when you look at uh, uh, Daniel in his writings, he, he talks very specifically about how the uh, Antichrist would come from the people mm-hmm. who uh, overran Jerusalem and destroyed the Jewish temple. Mm-hmm. Now, that wasn't the Muslims. It wasn't the Muslims that overcame Jerusalem. They didn't even Jerusalem. exist at that time. They didn't even exist at that time. You know, um, Islam was founded by Muhammad, yeah, yeah. and we're talking centuries later. Six hundred years born. later. Yeah, Six hundred yeah. years later, and so to say that that could possibly apply even metaphorically to Muhammad or to Islam would be just re- be reading something into the text that's not there. And I also think about Daniel chapter seven, where it talks about how uh, you know you've got the uh, the little horn that emerges out of the ten horns. You know, right there with them, right, right. and, and it, that that indicates to me, you know, that that whole context is about the Roman Empire that will reemerge, 
And so he comes out of the Roman Empire, and he is said to be of the same people who overcame Jerusalem and destroyed the Jewish temple. Now, as you know, that was uh, Titus and his Roman warriors who destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Yes. Uh, If words mean anything, it is a Roman Empire. Furthermore, I think that the idea that this guy is a Muslim, that really kind of um, runs amiss in, in terms of what Islam teaches when you think about it. For example, Islam uh, believes in the Islamic creed. There's one God named Allah, and Muhammad is his name. They will not tolerate any other claims to deity. Well, that's an excellent point, and it reminds me of this passage in 2 Thessalonians 2, where it's talking about the Antichrist, and it says that he is going to go into the temple, exalt himself above every god or object of worship, take his seat in the temple, and display himself as being God. Can you imagine a Muslim doing that? Well, for a Muslim to do that, Uh, especially in view of the Islamic creed, which says that there's one God named Allah, and in view of the Islamic teaching that uh, Allah can have no partners. You know, that's a very clear teaching in in Islam. It becomes an impossibility. Further, Dave, just consider uh, how it stretches credulity to say that this individual, according to Daniel 9.27, will sign a pact guaranteeing protection for Israel. Why would a Muslim... (laughs) Sign a pact guaranteeing protection to Israel. I mean, if there's any group of people that want to see the destruction of Israel, it is Muslims. So how would that work? That's right. That's uh, not right. only that, but uh, you know, tying it to my book, uh, Northern Storm Rising, I believe that uh, this invasion of Muslim countries into uh, Israel will probably take place either before the rapture um, or, or after the rapture, before the tribulation, or at the very beginning of the tribulation, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Now, if the Muslim nations are largely destroyed by judgment, as seems to be indicated in Ezekiel 38 and 39, how will an Antichrist emerge from the ashes of what used to be a very strong group of people, but now is almost gone? Right. Uh, any way you look at it, there's just all kinds of variables that do not fit this idea. Yeah, and Daniel even says that, that he will have no regard for the gods of his father, uh, but he will uh, pl- claim that he's above all gods. How can a Muslim fit No, in a Muslim that? couldn't possibly say that. In fact, you know, one of the things that Muslims get mad about in terms of Christians today is claiming that Jesus is the Son of God. They, they say that's absolute blasphemy because that means that God has partners. What about the argument that this is going to be a local empire, not a worldwide empire, that that's hyperbole when the Revelation says it? Well, you know, when, if, if uh, prophecy, as you read it in the past, came true literally, if you look at all the prophecies that deal, for example, with the first coming of Christ and see how absolutely literal they were fulfilled, uh, the indication is that all the other prophecies that deal with the second coming and events associated with it will be fulfilled just as literally. So there's no room for spiritualizing, in my opinion. Very often in the Old Testament, you've got things referring to both the Old and Second Coming within the same basic passage. And as the first part was literally fulfilled, so the second part will be literally fulfilled. You know what I think we have here? I think we have a classic example of people reading the newspaper into into the the Bible. Bible. That's right. The proper policy is to read the Bible first. (laughs) Let the Bible speak for itself. And then, as Jesus said in Matthew 16 to be accurate observers of the times. I remember reading a statement by uh, uh, the, uh, what was the first, uh, the Schofield, uh, by Schofield, uh, that he wrote about Ezekiel 38 and 39. He said, I don't understand it, I can't explain it, but the Bible says it, therefore I accept it. It said Russia was going to invade Israel. At that time, Russia was a Christian Orthodox nation, and Israel did not exist, and there was no possibility. How could you understand it? But he said, it says it in there. He didn't try to read the newspaper into it. (laughs) 
Well, so what would the one world religion be then if it's not Islam, which everyone right now is scared to death Islam will take over and be a one world well, religion? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I've done a lot of mm -hmm. thinking about the one world religion. And when you think about it, there's two very powerful people groups that would stand against it. Christians would stand against it and Muslims would absolutely, oh, absolutely. stand against it. Absolutely. Now, just think about it. The rapture takes place before the tribulation. That's what I believe. Yeah. So the Christians are removed. If, in fact, this invasion into Israel by Russia and the Muslim nations takes place before the tribulation, or maybe at the very beginning of the tribulation, Muslims are largely taken out of the picture, too. Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. me, that opens up the door for the easy emergence of both the Antichrist and the great power, as well as a one-world religion. Yes. Yes. And so, um, to me, it just fits chronologically very, very well. Well, let's talk about your book for a moment, uh, Nathan. Sure. You mentioned a few times this book called Northern Storm Rising. It's one, yes. of, your it's one of your latest books, isn't it? Yes, and it's yeah. about a topic I just absolutely love. I might mention again, I became well, what, a Christian what's from prophecy. Well, what do you mean by Northern Storm Rising? Well, you know, if you look off into the distance and you see a bunch of dark clouds yeah. coming on the scene. A norther, as we call it in Texas. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and you see some lightning, and you see that you can kind of tell when the rain's coming down and the wind's blowing, and it's coming towards you. By, by being an accurate observer of the times, you can tell that a storm's coming at you. Well, according to the scripture, there is a northern storm emerging on the scene. Jesus told us to be accurate observers of the times. So as you look off into uh, what's happening in Russia and Iran and Turkey and Sudan and all of these nations over there, mm. it, it, well, things are coming together. Well, tell us first of all, what such, does the Bible say to look for and then relate that to modern times? Well, what the Bible says is that there's going to be a massive invasion into Israel. We don't, uh, we don't like to talk about those kind of things. I mean, we're sick of war, oh, yeah. but the Bible is very clear that there's going to be a massive invasion into Israel. And there's going to be a coalition of nations involved from the north. From the north. Okay. In fact, uh, one of the nations involved is called Rosh, and that's to the uttermost north of Israel. And if you take a ruler right. and draw a line straight north from Jerusalem, you're going to, you're going to hit Russia. Right. And joining Russia will be a, a variety of Islamic nations, including Iran, and Sudan, and Libya, and Turkey. And here's the thing. When Ezekiel wrote back in the 6th century B.C., Islam did not exist. He probably had no idea what would uh, make all these nations unified together. And in fact, for many years, Dave, there have been uh, some more liberal-type Christians who have said, well, these nations are not contiguous or next to each other. Therefore, it doesn't make sense to say that they're going to join together in a battle. Right. But see, recent history reveals Islam. Islam came into being in the, like the 6th and 7th century, mm -hmm. and that's what unifies them, with the exception of Russia. But did you know that Russia is 20% Islamic? Oh, yes. They you have know? huge Islamic huge, areas. Huge. They've got thousands of uh, Muslim temples yes. over there. You see, and uh, by the way, Russia has a long history of aggression against Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that in 1967, 1973, and 1982. And in each case, American presidents stared down the Russian bear. In fact, Putin recently made the statement that Russia is the greatest friend the Muslim world has. Well, and you know, when you look at some of the alliances that he's building, for example, with Iran, mm -hmm. how could you deny it? Right. He has signed not only an agreement in which uh, Iran has provided nuclear weaponry, but uh, has also signed a 25-year agreement in which Iran gives $500 million a year to Russia in order to build up Iran's military. Wow. And uh, Iran, under President Ahmadinejad, has said that uh, he would like to see Israel wiped off the map. He has said, I would we're going to see very soon what it's like to live in a U.S.-free and Israel-free world. So what you're saying now is that as you look on the world scene, you're beginning to see these, uh, uh, the things come together to make this prophecy a fulfillment. That's right. I think that the stage is being set. 
Okay. You know, I'm not one of those people that likes to set dates. That's not a healthy thing. In yeah. fact, Christ told us not to. Yes. So I don't want to imply any date or anything like that. But I will tell you that Jesus told us to be accurate observers of the times. And as I observe what's taking place with Russia and Iran and Turkey and Sudan and Libya, not only are these nations aligning with each other, but every one of them has a motive to hate Israel. These nations stand against Israel. They believe that Israel belongs to them. They believe that Allah promised that holy land to them and that our Bible, the Old Testament, has been changed by Jews and Christians, mm -hmm. that originally that land was promised to the Also, Muslims. it is my understanding that under the, uh, the beliefs of Islam, that once they conquer a land and it becomes Allah's, if they lose it, they have an overwhelming compulsion to go back and retake it for Allah. Well, that's right. And they so Israel was, was basically stealing so. something that wasn't theirs yes. back in 1948. Now, of course, there's been recent overtures in trying to build a Palestinian state and divide Jerusalem and all like that. Let me tell you something, Dave. The Muslims don't want a part of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. They want all of it. They want all of it. And they're going to go to war one day. And I see what is taking place right now as setting the stage for this eventual storm that will just come in like a, you know, gangbusters. Yes. And the fact is, is that God is going to stand for Israel. You know, he who stands for Israel does not sleep or slumber. That's what well, Psalm 121 Amos says. Amos says that uh, once they're regathered, they will never be uprooted again. They're there to stay. That's right. But, uh, boy, I tell you, it takes a lot of faith these days to believe that's going to happen because as you look at Israel today, you just uh, our, the last issue of our magazine had, had the, to do with the topic of, is there really any hope for Israel? Because the, 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 one of the greatest enemies of Israel today is their own Zionist, I mean their right. own Jewish leaders who have lost the Zionist vision, who have been worn down by war, who are war-weary and are willing to give away anything to have peace. You know what's interesting, though? Um, Israel is going to be so overwhelmed when this, when this invasion takes yes. place that there's not going to be a chance of Israel's survival. And then when, when God actually <laughs> turns back the invading force, it's like everybody's going to recognize God's hand. Mm -hmm. And I want you to notice that when God speaks, He says, that they may know that I am the Lord That's thy right. God. That's right. And this is the same language you see in the Exodus account when God delivered Israel from the Egyptians, yeah. that and they may know that I am the Lord thy God. In fact, Ezekiel says point blank, it will be done in such a way that the, even the Jews will realize it came from God. That's right. So I think that there's going to be uh, massive conversions as a result of this. Oh, I can and, hardly and, wait for that. <laughs> you know, I, I've heard some people say that, uh, that when this army gets destroyed, that the Antichrist might stand up and try to take credit for it. Well, I suppose that's possible. I heard some uh, people like Dr. Dwight Pentecost say that. But, you know, the text indicates that God is going to get the glory for this. You know, God says that they may know that I am the Lord thy God. A lot of people are going to become acquainted with Yahweh for the first time. The 144,000 Jews that come out to become witnesses during the tribulation might convert because Well, of that. in fact, yeah, I think uh, those 144,000 witnesses will be kind of like 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams going all over the world witnessing. I also think there's going to be conversions based upon the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. Yeah. I also think that when Christians vanish off the planet, Dave, all our books are going to be left behind. <laughs> and I think that many people got a lot to leave behind. Are, going to, are going to turn to the Lord as a result of that one That's event. why I've got my Bible so marked up here. I, I figure people are not going to have time to read the whole thing. So I've just right at the very beginning, I said, go read this, this, and this. <laughs> and that, that, that'll keep you on the right track. I want to get them down to the bottom line fast. That's right. <laughs> because they're not going to have much time. Amen. Well, uh, this uh, book, Northern Storm Rising, is one that I would hi like to highly recommend to our viewers. It uh, is well written, well thought through. 
And one of the things I like about your writing, Ron, is that God has given you the ability to write in a down-to-earth, easy-to-understand way. You do not have to have a Ph.D. in hermeneutics uh, in order to understand this book. And I compliment you on that. Well, I thank you for that. Uh, that was really my goal in writing the book. Uh, I, I believe that uh, one of the, the ministries that God has called me to is to communicate effectively with people. Yes. And the truth is, is that the Bible is one of the most exciting books in existence. And if I can help communicate that excitement in what I write, then I've succeeded. And if, in, if people get anything from this book, it's that God is in control of human history <laughs> and that the Bible can be absolutely tr- be trusted in its Amen. prophecies. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That's one of the things I try to emphasize over and over. I, I tell people that when sometimes when I'm watching the news and I get really upset about how things are going and it seems like the guys in the black hats are going to win, I, re- I think of Psalm 2, which says, God sits in the heavens and laughs. Yes. Because, not because He's not concerned, but because He has the wisdom and the power to orchestrate all the evil of mankind at the triumph of His will. And that's exactly what he's doing. Amen. He is sovereign. And we have to remind ourselves of that. Well, that's right. And uh, if I didn't believe in a sovereign God today, uh, I'd have a lot to worry about. Our world seems to be spinning out of control in so many different ways. But God is directing human history towards its culmination. And one day when you and I have been with Christ for billions of years, we're going to look back on all this and just marvel (laughs) at the way that God directed the circumstances on earth toward its end. Well, brother, you've written over 40 books, and they're about a great variety of topics, and I'm so glad you got around to prophecy, and I want to encourage you to write some more books on Bible prophecy. Well, I I really want to encourage you to do that. Thank you. Because the one thing we need in the field of Bible prophecy is people who are non-speculative, non-sensationalists, who are just interested in teaching what the Bible really says about prophecy. Amen. I want to thank you for coming. I've learned a lot. I'm going to be able to apply a lot of this to the questions that come in. And uh, I'm going to be hitting your website all the time. Would you mind telling our viewers what your website is? Yes, you can uh, contact us at www.ronroads.org. And you can get uh, lots of free information that you can download, as as well as order the books at a great discount. So uh, do stop by, sign up for our free newsletter, and uh, anything we can do for you, we'll do our best. And Nathan, I'm going to remember what you just said, because <laughs> you always bring those tough questions in to me, so from now on you can just email them to him. Okay? <laughs> Hi, boss. <laughs> well, well, we all work together. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, uh, that is our program for this week. We hope that you will be back with us next week. And until then, uh, may the Lord bless you. And uh, I want to urge you to look up and be watchful, because our redemption is drawing near. Popular author and Bible teacher Ron Rhodes offers straightforward, easy-to-understand answers to tough questions asked about God, faith, and living for Christ. In his book, What Does the Bible Say About?, Ron addresses more than 300 issues as diverse as, Do Guardian Angels Exist?, Is Meditation Okay for Christians?, and What Will Heaven Be Like?, Readers will also find information about apparent Bible contradictions, issues about science and the Bible, 
and the effects of humanism on society. Drawing from five years on Walter Martin's national Bible Answer Man radio broadcast, Ron Rhodes shares his accurate research and solid biblical insights. Ron Rhodes provides easy-to-understand answers to many perplexing Bible passages. His approach is biblically conservative and evangelical. Readers will find simple but not simplistic answers to Bible questions that they've wondered about. This book is available for a gift of $15 plus the cost of shipping and handling. Order by visiting lamblion.com and click on the TV Offers button. What Does the Bible Say About is cataloged as P71. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 